Tony Wiggins, the Locked On Jaguars. Take a look at some linebackers today and try to figure out why everybody's so mad at me, man. Y'all quit tripping, man. It's all love. We family, right? We boys. Locked On Jaguars coming at you here on the Tuesday. You are Locked On Jags, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, good people? I come in peace. It's Tony Wiggins here with Locked On Jaguars, your daily Jaguars podcast, your first listen of the day. Thank you for joining us here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, and you can find us wherever you find podcasts. And we're free on all platforms. Make sure you like and subscribe on the YouTube page as well. Y'all mad at me, man. Quit being so mean. Stop. Chill out. All Big Daddy trying to do is just open your mind up to this whole process just in case something doesn't happen on draft night that you don't want to happen. And then you walk around with your lip poked out, mad at the whole world saying, wig, why didn't you tell us this was going to happen? That's all. It ain't nothing. It's it's just uh, guys just sitting here, just basically talking about football, right? Doing the best we can based on the things that we hear and based on the tendencies that the team has shown in the past. A little quick news. Dylan Moses yesterday was released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was a guy who uh, was a former five-star recruit who went to Alabama, played very well early, got hurt. Uh, the Jags uh, brought him in last year, and folks were wondering if he was going to rehab and actually eventually be a part of the organization. Well, that did not happen too bad for Dylan Moses. Sorry to hear about it. Uh, I hate when guys get injured and it sort of changes the course of their career. But now we have to really start taking a look at what they're going to do at linebacker. Um, some hot names out there, man. And y'all going to get mad at me again. I'm not the one making this stuff up, but we're going to talk about a couple of hot prospects and uh, a couple of guys that could possibly help the Jaguars. I'm going to take a look at some corners too. Now I know we don't necessarily need a corner, but the one thing I've learned about pass rushers, corners and offensive linemen is if there's one out there that has tremendous value, a team going to take him and find a way to get him into that program because you just can't have enough good football players at those premium positions. Remember, offensive line, defensive line, and, and defensive back are the, the position groups that actually have the most roster spots taken up on the team. It's usually nine or ten. So that's a big group. And if you can see a guy who can help you, teams will find a way to make sure that they get him on the field because if you don't, you got to play against them like I always say. So we've discussed ad nauseum the edge rushers and the offensive linemen. Man, look, in a nutshell, all of this stuff that we've been going over, y'all have to realize something. My two favorite players in the draft are Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. Just because I take my favorites off and start talking about other people and – uh, discussing their possibilities doesn't mean that I switched out or changed my mind. But the thing is that what, what we have to realize, and it's something that you'll hear uh, me say tomorrow. I was just talking to James Rapine. You'll hear me say this tomorrow on our Locked on NFL show is this. Scouts, guys that do this for a living, and let's just say I know five or six of them. Correction, I know three that are current scouts and, and two or three that – um, 
are now coaching in power five big the biggest power five schools you you, you could ever imagine and when we have our general conversations when they're not busy or most of the time on sunday they're calling me about something they've seen that i said or something they've heard about somewhere Mo- mainly the guys that are now in power five uh, who as early as last year were, were, were in nfl uh, facilities they laugh because it's like you catching pure hell but you're dead right and the reason i'm dead right is not because i know because i'm doing their job the reason why i know i'm dead right is because i'm talking to them and there's almost this way of looking at the draft of the reality of how these guys go about their daily work to the way that it is done on the internet or the way that it's done on your favorite cable tv show with an expert or on your site or whatever that has a fantasy football sort of feel to it which means it's it's not exactly the way it's done one of the things that those people have have told me is this it's easy to make picks when you don't really have to make them it's easy to do that on your computer or it's easy for you to talk about on a podcast when you're not the one that actually has to make the pick and it's almost this feeling like just because people aren't good at it sometimes we forget that this is actually a job. They actually don't want to get fired. They do want to do this the best they can actually do it, right? And a lot of information and a lot of input goes into that. Like they, some guys listen to their coaches. And when it doesn't work, they listen to their coach too much. We got into a little brouhaha yesterday on our own little NFL, uh, locked on NFL DM. Where we were talking about Chris Ballard and how he was getting hammered for going out and getting Carson Wentz. Well, I praise him for doing that because he listened to his coach. So when it doesn't work, when it doesn't work, you can always go back and just point to the GM, but not understanding that what that guy was actually trying to do was listen to his coach, Frank Reich, who has stood up in front of the podium and told everybody, I vouched for him. I did it. We could get mad at Dave Caldwell for listening to Tom Coughlin and taking a big running back when he could have took a quarterback. And then taking a smaller running back in the second round. So it could have been Deshaun Watson, Dalvin Cook, but it was Leonard Fournette and whoever they took in the second round. So the thing is, though, when things don't work, we always find a target and take our, you know, we want our pound of flesh from that target. What I'm doing pre process is becoming a pound of flesh because all I'm doing is trying to focus on guys and what I'm basically trying to tell guys to do. I'm not saying Aiden Hutchinson isn't going to be a good player. I'm not saying Aiden Hutchinson isn't going to be the pick. In fact, I came on the podcast just about two and a half, three months ago, right before the senior bowl. And I told that I heard that if the draft were today, that that's who they would take. Now, does that mean he was the leader in the clubhouse? Not really because the draft wasn't that day. So that's irrelevant. And then the other thing is, is they hadn't done a huge part of the evaluation process, which is the final part of it. And so when people tell me stuff like, those boards are already set. I got people telling me differently. And they've told me that for years, that boards aren't set, that boards are fluid. And that every day, a GM, he'll have his board in his room and there's another board where the scouts are and they'll come in and they're moving these things around like they're making a soul train puzzle. A good GM will ask a good scout, a good area scout, without worrying about what I think, 
give me your top 100 or whatever. And then just like taking a red marker in college, he'll go through and start checking them off. Sell me on your guy. Where's your report? Give me your scouting report. Give me a detailed report on this guy or these positions or this area. Give it to me. Show me the tape. What do you got? And ultimately, a decision has to be made. And this is what happens is, too, even when you have a situation where the GM is making the decisions, when they say they talk to the coaches, coaches all year round don't sit there. This is why I used to tell you all about Urban Meyer sitting there talking about guys that he recruited and recruits coming in the next draft. There's not one NFL coach that does that all day during the season. They don't even watch college football for the most part. They're worried about their team. 18 hours a day, they're at the facility. The night before the game, they're worried about all of this other stuff. Ain't nobody scouting no players. So what happens is at the end of the year, when they do get a chance to finally get with the scouts, I mean, after the owners' meetings and all of this stuff, it's all just kind of rushed in. And it's like, okay, I got to give you my opinions based on what I need and what I see. But what is going to be determines that a lot of it is the work that guys that you don't know have done already. Guys that have a job. And sometimes they get it right and sometimes they get it wrong, right? But to say the boards are fixed and people know who they want, that's not necessarily true. That's not necessarily true. So um, I have my reasons for believing what I believe. You can believe whatever you believe. But when I take the position on a player, like everybody thinks I'm just this big Trayvon Walker, you got to get Trayvon. No, I've just taken the position, okay, if this is going to be the pick, this is why. And some of y'all tweeting at me talking about how fatigued you are with this whole process. Well, this is my job. So whatever you do for a living, I'm sure somebody's probably fatigued with you walking in there every day with your bologna sandwich too. Uh, so what? Don't, if I see police down the street, I'm so tired of y'all riding around giving people tickets. It doesn't make sense for me to even say stuff like that. So this is my job. I, you know, I get paid to do content, right? And hopefully it's content that you enjoy. But we're in pre-drafts uh, phase. What you want me to talk about right now? When we talk about free agency, it's over. I'm going to talk about what's on the way. But I can here on lockdown because it's your team every day, and this is just what we do. All right, we're going to get into linebackers. Talk about other possible positions, but we're still going to make sure that we have a clear and distinct understanding about uh, this whole process and how things go. Uh, we'll do it in just a second here on Locked On Jaguars. I got to tell you first about BetOnline.net, though, because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information and live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. I know uh, baseball is hot and heavy right now. And the team with the best pitching usually has the biggest advantage. So make sure you keep that in consideration. I ain't just talking about starters. I'm talking about that bullpen. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action because Bet Online is where the game starts. And your day of podcast listening starts here with me on Locked on Jaguars. I'm Tony Wiggins. Um, Get into a little bit more before we specifically move to the linebacker position where there's a, a need for some depth and competition, obviously. Um, the, the advanced scouting is very, very important. 
to, to understand that these guys, what these guys do. Probably by the end of May, I, I would say, I think my buddy James in Cincinnati for Locked on Bengals agrees with me. Probably the end of May, a lot of advanced scouting for 2023 is done. Now, that does not mean that they they definitively know who the number one pick is. They probably have an idea that it's either C.J. Stroud or Will Henderson, and some people probably love Bryce Young as well. And I heard that running back out of Texas, people love him too. But some of the evaluations is because, like, some guys were projected to possibly be able to come out this year, right? So if those guys said, no, I didn't like the evaluation, they told me I was going to be a fourth rounder, I'm going to go back. The fact that you could already tell guys who went back where they were projected this year gives you a book on who and what they are. And that with another year of seasoning and another year of experience that they could possibly raise up. So this tells you that advanced scouting is already done. And a lot of us did not know who Aiden Hutchinson was last year because he only had two sacks coming in the last season. Advanced scouting already knew who he was. So when you had this great year, it changes things for him. Now, but we make, we, we think that I don't equate sacks to, I treat sacks just like I treat points in basketball. They don't just draft the dude that led college basketball in scoring first. No. They might draft the dude first that didn't even lead his, lead his team in, in scoring. Like Anthony Davis. He, he was the fifth leading scorer on the team that won the national championship at Kentucky. And he went first. Devin Booker wasn't even a starter at Kentucky. He was top 10, top 15 pick or whatever. They don't just do that. They look at things that are going to translate to the next level. And I think sometimes when, when people hear the word projection, they're thinking like, okay, well, three years down the line, what is he going to be? That's a part of it. But because you're making long-term investments in these guys, you want a guy that you pick first overall and pay all that guaranteed money. You hopefully he signs a second contract. And so you a little bit of it is, okay, what can he do? But that's not what I'm talking about. Projection for me is what is he going to do for us? Because we're not playing the same defense he played in college. And he's not playing the same competition he played in college. What can he do for us is usually projected by traits and work ethic. And I'm sorry when people go, I don't want a guy with traits. I want a guy with production. College production in terms of stats and numbers is totally irrelevant to the NFL. Traits are not. And that's the difference. Someone tweeted this out to me earlier, and I'm glad they did it. Michael Parsons had six and a half sacks his entire career at Penn State. Michael Parsons was a first-team All-Pro rookie of the year and damn near defensive player of the year in the NFL. You mean to tell me a dude that – see, we take the worst example like Caleb Von Chason who had nine sacks in three years, and we go, we should have known he wasn't going to be good in the NFL. No, you should have known he wasn't going to be good in the NFL based on what you saw on tape, not what you saw on the stat line. So that's the thing that I'm trying to get people to, to think that all of a sudden we, we treat it like, like it's wrestling, like, okay, Hutchinson's the champion. Who's going to knock him off? Well, he was never the champion to the people who matter. Only the people on TV. That's, 
So don't get angry when someone tries to point out to you and all I ever did was say, I see why they like this kid. Now you can have your, I'm not trying to change your mind about anybody. Because if I was doing that, I'd be sitting here talking about Kayvon Thibodeau all day, but that's not what I'm doing. I just know that this pick for this franchise is super, super important and that a lot of people are using things that have absolutely nothing to do with whether or not the pick is going to work as a means to justify whether you should or shouldn't take a guy. And more importantly, everyone's talking about it in a way that the people who actually have to make the pick are not. That's all I'm saying. And the weird part is, is the more you talk to people who do stuff for, for real and the more you talk to fans, the fans sometimes are actually the ones that think the people who make the picks are the ones who are outside of reality. And it's not true. It's easy to talk about these picks when you don't have to make them. A bunch of linebackers uh, are on the radar, it seems, for the Jags uh, somewhere in the second and third round. I do think, and this is, a, is another thing, y'all going to think that I love the Georgia Bulldogs, but I'm really a Florida State supporter. The theme is, is that if the Jacksonville Jaguars get to the top of the second round, that one of the things that they would be really, really interested in is a linebacker. And now there's not one, but two guys, or maybe even three guys, that are getting a lot of attention as that sort of off-the-ball slash Mike linebacker, sort of the Devin White, uh, if if Foy Oluwakan is going to be uh which role is he going to play is he going to play the Devin white role or is he going to play the levante david role or are they interchangeable uh sort of like back in the day i keep mentioning this before the announcement had patrick willis and navarro bowman um those roles are kind of even though willis is a mike those roles are kind of interchangeable you think about it like this think about luke keekley and thomas davis also and even though that was a base four three um keekley at some point started out outside and then he moved inside right and most of the time when you're in a four, two, five, you have guys with similar responsibilities, you know, because they're both taking on a half of the field out to the flat and then to the seam. So the thing is, is you got to have guys who can run and flow to flow to the ball, especially when you look at the fact that the Jags appear to be building their uh, defensive lineup with really big people. Fajusaki is two, 315, 320 pounds to go along with Devon Hamilton to go along with, uh, with Brown. And they're getting these bigger longer taller wider based defensive lineman as opposed to having just one nose tackle and then a whole bunch of guys that can move around so the thing is when you look at the profile that they're looking for uh the jaguars are obviously wanting these running backs that could run and flow to the ball because they're going to have big linemen in front of them that are going to take up space and two names that have come up nicobe dean's name has been coming up since folks found out how great of a leader he was um some people, I remember I was at the Senior Bowl and I was talking to some evaluators for some of the, the draft sites, and they were concerned about his size. Uh, some people said he was 5'11". I think he's measured at 6 feet. Some people said 220. I think he's more like 226 to 230. And there's there's a lot of guys in the league that have been successful at that size. So um, it depends what the coach is like. Now, there are some people that think Tendo, his teammate, is better. Uh, even though Tyndall was the third linebacker. And there's some people that absolutely love Quay Walker, who at 6'4", 243, I use the word traits again, has traits that a lot of these people really just go crazy over. And they feel like, hey, off the ball linebacker, um, run run like the wind, can have longevity because of his size. 
that's a big guy that's a big guy who can move so here's the story i saw on the uh, on another podcast i believe it's the 33rd podcast uh coach shoddy was interviewing um was interviewing um uh, N'Kobe and talked about the rotation so it was basically quicker and um Nicobe, they were starting, and then Channing Tindall started playing so well that the defense coordinator said, hey, we're going to rotate three people. And they bought into it because they were blowing everybody out and they were winning, so it did not matter. Any one of those three guys could be the pick. I think Tindall's probably more a little bit later in the second or early third. But when you talk about guys, you're talking about those two. I'm going to tell you who, if they stretch it to the third round, who some of those guys might be and i'm gonna talk about cornerbacks one in particular that i really really like for the jaguars i'll do that in just a second here in the third and final segment on locked on jaguars after i tell you guys about rock auto i was on the phone with my daughter this morning and i was telling my daughter are you driving safe do you have uh you've been checking your oil uh, do you have parts that you need and she said nope dad i'm good to go because the last parts i bought from rockauto.com really did the trick you can have that same security if you just go to rockauto.com on your laptop or your cellular device and you can see the list of all of the great parts that are offered to you from rockauto.com and you can get them for cheap i mean you get them less expensive they're blowing me up right now trying to call for rockauto.com really 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 uh inexpensive but the highest quality that you're ever going to see is at rockauto.com make sure you enter the name locked on in that box when they say how did you hear about us man because i'm gonna tell you rockauto.com is the absolute truth and it's where you need to go to get all of your parts and accessories rockauto.com better parts than anywhere else in my opinion because they've always been there for me and they can be there for you and your family as well all right man we're gonna roll along here on a tuesday as we move on here with locked on jaguars there's some players that i really really like that are a little bit off the radar uh and i'm gonna get into them later on in this segment uh because i'm making sure everybody's safe uh We'll get into them later on in this segment a little bit. But let's finish up with the linebacker. So we talked about uh, the three guys from Georgia, N'Kobe Dean, um, Tyndall, as well as Quay Walker. There's one more guy that's in that second echelon that you have to really think about, and that is uh, Christian Harris. Christian Harris from Alabama absolutely can run like the wind. Now, I think most people consider him a weak side linebacker as opposed to a Mike. Um, so that might be a little bit redundant, but man, he's a really good player. He's going to make somebody a very, very good player in the national football league, uh, when it's his time. But, uh, some guys that may hang around at the top of the third round where the Jaguars could really do damage because they have two, uh, picks. And I don't suspect that they're going to trade and get more ammunition. I think that they're going to take somebody at 33. It's probably going to be Nicobe Dean. I think Devin Lord will be long gone. Somebody that's rising up a little bit, though, and might end up being a guy that's around is Troy Anderson, who's a little bit of a project. And I don't necessarily know where he fits, but he's very athletic for Montana State, 6'4", 243 pounds. Uh, some guys that I do anticipate that will probably be there at the top of the third round 
or Chad Muma from Wyoming. I love Chad Muma. He's rangy. He's tall. I saw him at the Senior Bowl. Really, really, really gets after it and gets right to it. Uh, gets through those blocks, finds those little creases to be able to make a lot of tackles uh, at the point of attack or the line of scrimmage. Uh, 6'3", 239 pounds. Leo Chennault is a little bit bigger than the Jaguars are used to at the middle linebacker spot, but they're also changing their defense. He's 6'3", 250 out of Wisconsin. Brian Osamoa, another guy who's about the same size as N'Kobe Dean, maybe a half inch taller from Oklahoma. Super, super fast sideline to sideline guy. I don't know if you can have two of those guys in at one time, but it's possible uh, that if um, they feel like he can get a little bit weight or be a depth piece, because right now with Jacksonville, what you have is you have Oluwakan, you have Shaquille, uh, Shaquille Quarterman, my son's high school teammate from University of Miami. Shaq is about, I think Shaq is close to 240, 235, 240, about 6162. He's a pure middle linebacker. Uh, and I think they like him a lot, but I also think that you want to add uh, more than one piece. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Jags get more than one piece here. And like I said, with Channing Tindall, he's 6'2", 230. Uh, Michael McFadden out of Indiana, 6'1", 240 pounds. Uh, so there's guys. Damon Clark was one of those guys too, but he had an injury that's probably going to keep him out this season. Uh, Darian Beavers is another guy. From Cincinnati at 6'4, 237, along with Josh Ross, who's also a smaller guy, six feet, 227. So those are some people that you can look out for some of these names. Maybe one or two of those guys will end up being a part of the Jaguars team and the Jaguars organization here in the near future. Now I know I was talking about corners. The Jaguars, I don't think they need corners. Well, let me correct that. I I I think I think they're committed to some guys at corner that uh, are going to be here. So I don't think they consider that a huge need because um, you can always upgrade talent. But if you're going to take a swing on a guy around that fourth round, and depending on how much they maneuver up from the back, one of the guys I really, really like is Cam Taylor Britt. And I keep calling him Cam Britt Taylor, but it's Cam Taylor Britt from Nebraska. If you haven't watched his tape, and could understand where a team would be, even if you're not in need, would just go out and just grab a guy who really changes the culture of your team. Do it. Uh, guy gets bruised and battered, and, and they tell him he was at a senior bowl, and they told him not to work out because I think he had some sort of soft tissue injury. Nope, he went anyway. 5'11, 196 pounds. And I want you to watch him on when plays are not right in front of him. Watch how he doesn't quit on plays. So those are the types of things, in my opinion, that even if you don't need that position, those are the things that stick out to coaches. And I, I believe um, even the uh, player person to the rail, Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl, pointed this out. He talked about it while he was down there. But Cam Taylor Britt is that one dude that might be able to play all over the, the defensive backfield for you if the Jaguars get to the point of fourth or fifth round and they're just taking the best player available. You can never have too many corners. I know contractually they have more than enough guys that they need, but make sure you guys take a look at him and check him out. So he's my sleeper for the corner position that I promised y'all I was going to talk about. As we get closer to the draft, you know, we'll keep talking about all of this stuff. But what I want you to do is remember, Locked On NFL Draft Podcast is one that will give you all the information with the analytics man, Ryan Tracy, along with the former NFL corner, 
Eric Crocker to give it to you like you don't get anywhere else. Make sure you like and subscribe. That that podcast is dope and it's daily. So you guys check it out. And all of these names that we're mentioning, they'll break it down a little bit further and go a little bit more in depth than I will because they're talking about the whole league. I'm just talking about what's good for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You guys continue to take care of each other and we'll do the same. Ease up, man. Y'all, y'all getting all mad and people wanting to set up fights with me and stuff on Twitter. That ain't going to work out for you. But still, it's all about uh, information doing the best I can to bring you the information that I can. And you guys make sure you uh, follow, like, and subscribe. And thank you for making us your first listen. Because whether you like me or not, we do appreciate you listening to Locked on Jaguars. Until tomorrow, you guys take care.